Welcome to episode 244 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 244 of I Am Talk with Kits John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Good. Happy good. New Year, I should it's say. Good to be back in it. Oh. Back in it. I, I was thinking next year, you need to do the Christmas work. Oh, I don't know about that. Wow, over Christmas, I'm having my time off and I'll go do the show today, honey, and poor me. I was doing bike jerseys, I was, I was keeping an eye on things. Doing bike jerseys? We did that before Christmas. Oh, I've still got to package them up and take them down to the shop. Oh. Oh. All of two minutes. Deal with the orders I stuffed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like never stuff up the orders I stuffed up too. Uh, have you sorted that out? I'm getting there. Nice. I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Coffeesofhawaii.com For the world's tastiest coffee. Xendurance.com For lactic acid buffer. buffer. And athletics.com For your social networking for endurance athletes. Okay, John, on this week's show, what have we got happening? We've got a little bit of news. We've got, a, we've got an interview. Peter Short, or Pete Short. Pete Short. And uh, he's one of our age group pros. He's not really a pro. Really pro. I know, but we're just like, he's a... He's a very good age group. Age group guru. Yes, who's made big strides in the last Big strides, eh? Massive strides. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've got some questions and answers. I've actually chucked in something else, because I thought we were a bit short on content. Uh, I, I don't think we will be. Okay, why? Lots of news? Well, it's sort of the question, slash coach's corner, slash Brett Sunfire. Oh, There's kind of another section okay. there. So. Okay, well, maybe I'll take out the bit I chucked in. I just we'll kind see. of thought there wasn't much, but hey... News, probably brought to you by xtry.com. Check out xtry for latest news, reviews, and interviews with the stars, John. Uh, first of all, coming up this weekend, we have a race in good old New Zealand called Challenge Wanaka. And it's the first iron distance race of the year. And we're commenting piss poor pro field. Yes. I mean, it is. No, we're not disrespecting challenge or anything like that. It's more, I think, a state of our sport is uh, the field is, is weak. I mean, this is. And again, not disrespecting the guys that have entered. There's um, no real rock stars there. Um, you've got uh, Peter uh, Keegan Williams, who's who's good. good well, on the guys' athlete. side, we've only got eleven pros. Yes, and a number of them probably won't won't be there. Um, yep. You always have that a bit of a drop off rate. So you've got Keegan Williams, Peter Verbrusik, Jimmy Johnson, Luke Dragster, Courtney Ogden, and that's probably the main recognised athletes. Courtney Ogden, he won Western Australia, so he's no slouch. Um, and Keegan Williams has had a number of great podiums, but you haven't got any. Well, he's real got big second hitters. in Wanaka, isn't he? Yes, and we got, and he got second in Copenhagen as well. And he's, uh, yeah, he's had a couple of thirds, I think, at Wanaka so as well. They're good athletes. We're not disrespecting those guys, but we no. can only rack up, as you said, you know, less than fifteen pro men. Um, it's it's not good. And, and, and let's be honest, it's eleven pro men, and, and not being disrespectful to good old Axel Riser, but he's not, a, you know, like a top top pro. Yeah. Um, and then on the girls side of things, so that is, um, it's woeful. It really is woeful. Belinda Grange is obviously um, saw the money, saw the money, and she's in there. So you've basically got three pro women. You got Joe Carrot, who's um, who's been training in Christchurch. She comes on Epic Camp. You got Belinda Granger, who's probably just gone. Holy moly, there is an easy payday. I'm just going to roll over there and I can cruise and I'll win. Yep. And Belinda Harper, who was the first age grouper uh, at Kona. Kona last year. I thought she was a Kiwi. Well, so did I, but she's got Australian down. Yeah. She's got Australian down there. So that is ridiculous. Three pros. Yeah, and again, I'm not criticising the race or these girls, but the prize money is the same as Ironman New Zealand. 
and uh, if not just a touch more. It pays 10 deep. There's no percentage rule there anymore with challenge races. Oh, is there not? No, they. they oh, really? So, so these girls just getting the money? Yeah, because I remember last. Oh, I want year, to be a chick. I just enter. Well, yeah, it was the same with the guys to to, to a large degree. Jeez, if you're an age group, mate, you should just enter. But that and and, and hopefully it challenge you've got all their rights. If you're not a pro, you're not a pro. And, and I've I've suggested to um, a couple of people they should go and race pro, pro and they've just got to finish and they get prize money in their yeah. racing age group. But they shouldn't be allowed to if you're not a pro. Yeah, yeah, but in our sport, how do you confirm you're a pro? Well, in most countries, you get a pro card. It's just New Zealand's a bit different. Oh, okay, so. so I've got no sympathy whatsoever for any aspiring pros or wannabe pros in New Zealand or Australia if they're not turning up to races where it's more or less a guarantee. Well, it is a guaranteed prize money for the girls, and it's close to guaranteed for well, the Well, it is for the guys, guys as well. It's paying 10 deep, and there's only 11, so one guy's going to miss out. Yeah, so it's a shocker. And Challenge have put up the money, and I feel... I'm, I'm, I'm ranting here a bit. Go, John, let it out. But I'll I, give you a hug afterwards. I, I felt the same with with the race that I put on. You know, I, I said I'm going to put up equal prize money yep. um, for my sprint race. And granted, it's a completely different league, the prize money I've, I was offering. John, $20,000 was pretty good prize money in your race. <laughs> I don't think but, that's weak. But, uh, you know, I had, I don't know, 15 to 20 guys and like six or seven girls yeah. um, and so next year I'm probably going to make a decision that I'll some oh now that's a tough one John well I'm going to do because you're going to look sexist yeah I don't I'm not I'll have the top the top girl I mean I'll have equal prize money at the top but I'll have some sort of grading system whereas if there's not enough people entered in the women's race or the guys race if, if only five guys turned up then I'd have the same sort of deal there so if 20 yeah. girls turn up then great they'll, they'll get a deeper prize purse um, but I think yeah, it's, it's a tricky one because we've gone on and on about the percentage rule and then you have things like this happen and, you know, the girls just have to finish. They can they can treat the race as a joke. You could turn up to it. Julie Carrot, although she's a good athlete, could turn up to a 15 hour yeah. and if, still pull off. If still I was, get what? What would she get, about six grand? Uh, for third, no, probably I'd be... She'd get four and a half thousand. Yeah. If I was even a short course athlete these days and uh, I'd just go out there and treat the training day, you're going to get fourth. $3,000, you basically swim, bike hard. What are you doing? Just that? cruise. Oh, you're not a chick. I'm not a chick. <laughs> That's a big problem. Yeah. And that really give Emma a call, get her to do an Ironman. She should. <laughs> but she's actually going to be down there. She probably should do it. She'd get fourth, she'd get 3000 yep. and she could classify herself as a pro. Yep. However, she's a race sponsor. Actually, it's a good idea. I'm going to give her a call. Yeah, yeah. She'd just have to battle her way through a 4K swim. She'd be able to do it, wouldn't she? Probably not that flash, but uh, uh, she can swim. Let's try to see if we can get him entered. Let's do it. We've got four days to do an Ironman. Yeah, yeah. It would be uh, how many weeks to to the coast? It's it's March, isn't it? Uh, No, February. It's it's probably about five weeks away. It would it would wouldn't be a bad training day. She has to run walk. Yeah, I'm I'm onto it, Bevan. Get onto it if you pull this off. It's magic. Yeah. Okay then. So M's gonna win it. Um, um, so good luck to everybody racing. It's it's a cool cool race. And Dawn look, seems to be fascinated by technology because he's, he's in our news. He's got that they've got texting updates. Well, they've been promoting it. It's big news. But, but everyone's been doing it for years. Well, no, they've got an iPhone app this time. Uh, Does that, that mean much or not? Uh, well. I remember when I did Kona in 2004, my mate Duncan got texting updates. Oh, okay. So, but it is a co- uh, an app doesn't help at all or oh no well, apps I'm, I'm pretty sure WTC have got apps as well okay. but, but hey 
good to see you moving in the technology world, man. I'm proud of you. Okay, we had. Um, do, do you know what I did the other day? What did you I, do? I gave you a smiley face on an email. Did you notice it? I think you didn't even notice it. I didn't. I'm sorry. Jeez. Oh. I even said thank you and gave you a smiley face. Or please. What, what were you thinking me for? Oh, well, maybe I said please in a yeah, smiley face. I don't thank you. Results we had a Tauranga Half Iron Man, which is pretty interesting results here, eh? It's uh, it's basically New Zealand's premier. Uh, half Ironman distance race probably the third richest race in New Zealand I'd say you got Ironman New Zealand challenge uh, equal in this here what does it pay? 4,000 US oh, New Zealand for first I think nice. it's 421 something like that um, no great surprises for me really um, Graham O'Grady who's a short course athlete moving to half Ironman um, took it out uh, Callum Millwood who is a short course athlete also turning to half Ironman um, was second and Cam Brown was third so um, not surprisingly, Graham O'Grady and Kieran Doe just smacked them in the swim and then uh, drilled it on the bike and got about a four-minute lead. Kieran Doe faded, but good on him. He's, at least he kept going and finished. He, he does have a bit of a history of, of pulling out of races, so that was good to see, and he's, he managed to still come in, what, about sixth? Yep. Um, and Cameron Brown was third, and, and I don't think we need to be surprised or shocked about that. Typically, he does doesn't often do exceptionally well here. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know about that. A few years ago, he used to win it all the time. Yeah, but the, these guys are short course specialists, and a short course yep. specialist is generally going to beat um, <clears throat> an Ironman athlete, and especially for Brownies coming towards the end of his career. And I know Macca won bloody Kona at 37, Brownies 38. Still going good, and he ran a 114. Um, but, oh. yeah, he's got to pull back a four-minute lead. So I think he's looking good for Taupo. But he, he he lost a minute and a half. Do we know if Terenzo's doing Tapo? I don't know. I I would think he probably is, but I, I don't know for sure. In fact, I'm almost I'd be highly surprised if he didn't because he's sponsored by Kellogg's and it's a Kellogg's Iron Man. Oh, well, he's doing it. So I would say he did, and that's going to be exciting if Cameron, Karen, and Terenzo are racing again. They're all Kiwis, so we think oh, blah, blah, blah. but it, you know that's three world class athletes. So looking forward to that. Yeah, will he get his 10? Sorry? Will he get his 10? Don't know. I really don't know. I, I hope think he, he does. probably would. I hope he does. It, 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 you know, whoever has a great day, if they both had great days, it would be very, very close. Very, very, very close. Whereas last year it was a bit up and down. But if they had both, I reckon if they had both had amazing days, they'd basically be running shoulder to shoulder. And if he wins 10. That's going to go down as one of the biggest... Winning nine is one of the biggest achievements ever in Ironman. But to win ten times has mm-hmm. got in one race... So it, I don't think Newby Fraser won, what, eight Konas or something. But on the guys' side of things, I don't think we've ever had that much domination at one particular no, race. No, a few three or fours. Yeah. I hope he wins it. I'm like, I, like, I, like I would, well, I'm not favouring any athletes, but I just love the idea of him winning ten. Especially because there's that one year he kind of got screwed. Yes. So... Yeah. Um, girl and the girl side of things, I'll just pull it back up, John. Uh, Joe Lorne, wasn't it? Joe Lorne took it out from Anna Cleaver and... Jamie Simpson in third. Um, bit of a shame. That, oh, I don't know what the hell was happening with Rebecca Keats. She was only down in sixth place, and she's been a bit topsy-turvy, you know, the last, I don't know, yeah. even, even 12-ish months since she had that amazing race in Kona where she she went um, very, very fast, you know, 8.40 or something like that. Um, she hasn't really quite kicked on. I know she won Copenhagen, but, um, you know, she was uh, she's much better than six, and I expected her to win it, to be honest. And But Joe Lorne came through on the run. It was a pretty close race, and some of those up-and-comers, Anna Cleaver was only, uh, you know, about a, 
a minute or so yeah, behind. A minute back. Yep. And then um, I'm not really familiar with a lot of the other girls, so good to see Joe Lawn's probably on track for a pretty good, uh, pretty good tapo as well. But she's going to come up against Marinda Carfrey, and that's going to be one hell of a challenge. Are there any other girls turning up? Do we know? No, I haven't done a piece. You keep, you, you know, you, you, okay. I won't ask. I haven't paid Taupo yet. You haven't paid Taupo yet. Okay. Other news. Well, uh, we scared off Lance basically. We, he, he, heard, he heard about us basically. Mm. Disappointing, but yes, disappointing. The, the, because we got an email from Cat. I got an email from Cat. Must have been as soon as she found out. She was crying. She wasn't crying, but <laughs> she was just saying, "You just don't get it." Yeah, you be. Today, because no, he's not doing it because of a run injury or something. A knee injury, so Lance is not coming to New Zealand. That's what we're talking about to do his first sort of triathlon, which he was going to do. And uh, you know, and you know what, you're injured. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure it's all legit. Mm. So all good, bugger. But for those guys, you know, there was oh. well, it wasn't, and it wasn't just the fact that Lance was coming. Then Bevan Doherty was going to come. He's pulled out. Gemma was going to be coming. Oh, he's really? Pulled out. I don't so, know. Uh, all the Karen Doe, I think, was going to do as well. But Rosie was going to do it. They're yeah. all turning up. Yeah, so um, real shame. But at the, at the same time, it's not. They, they weren't. Yeah, you know, he didn't do it. Didn't seem to do it for the promo or for the money. No, he no. Just sort of just found a race he was going to do. So. But in saying that, Lance would know that the attention the he brings to something. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. And for this event, you know, which was just a local try, well, it wasn't just a local try, but it was kind of just like a local try that you put on in your local mm. region, you know, this was a significant event. So we're just really sad for them, John. But we? at the same time, they've got all those other entries they've paid their entries. Yeah, yeah. So financially, they're going to do quite well. Uh, they should do like a mock lance. They should. You know, like have a, have a, a, a mock lance doing the race. There's an opportunity for you there, Bevan. Yeah, maybe I could be in the mock lance. Mm-hmm. Get all the old Discovery one on. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's not Discovery anymore. It's, no, but uh, do the old Discovery. Because that was his main uniform, wasn't it? It was post-US post. Oh, post-US you know, post. Then, then it was Discovery, then it's Radio Shack, and now it's uh, no, still Radio Shack. He's a sponsor slut, he is. Yeah. There's Radio Shack. Chrissy, Therese, Ironman. Yeah, I think it is. Yep. Ironman, South Africa. Well, based on a Twitter thing thing she put out there, she put a Twitter feed saying, uh, first big race of the season will be Ironman, South Africa. So, okay. She did. She doesn't need to qualify. Yeah, well, does she? No, because she got validated by winning Arizona. Yeah, but she's still going to make sure she got enough points, which I'd imagine from an Ironman win she probably would get No, no, points. it says in this piece, uh, unlike every other pro athlete competing in Ironman triathlon, Willie's, uh, Wellington's decision has nothing to do with her qualification for 2011 Ironman World Championships. Wellington became the first athlete to qualify by validating her spot with a finish. Yeah, but she st- that validates her spot. She's still going to make sure she's got enough points, which I'm sure she will have, but um, there's no guarantees. You've basically got to be True. ranked in the top 50 or whatever it is. And I think I saw their first list of rankings that came out, and I think she was about 20th or so after her Arizona race. So she'd probably possibly need to have another race under her belt. But not nine, Yeah, could have done 70.3. It's still good for South Africa. Like she's done Australia and uh, a similar sort of time of the year. So she'll go over there and dominate. Is she going to be doing dominate. challenge? Do we know? Uh, don't know. Again, I shouldn't be asking you questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, TriStar are heading to France. They've got a 1-1-1 one, one, one happening, John. Yeah, so have 1K swim, 100K bike, 10K runs in Lyon. With, with a 1,000 feet of climbing or something. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. So uh, if you want it, it's good to see those guys are continuing expanding. So both TriStar and... You know, all those other sort of brands that are out there, the Tri Grand Prix and all those guys are carrying on. Should we talk about that? Oh, yeah, 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 you can do that. Our good friend Chris McDonald. Yes. 
Gave us an angry email. Yeah, well, it wasn't. And not fair enough too. No, it was not fair enough. Oh, it wasn't fair enough. We just said he was out there and doing media stuff. And, and his sponsors heard that he was retiring, and he's not yeah. retiring. No. He's still kicking ass out there in the world of triathlon, and his sponsors give him more money because he needs more money. <laughs> and he's not retiring. We just said he's doing some other things. Yeah, he's expanding people, his horizons. Some people read into that. What they choose, and he's not retiring. He's not retiring. He's far from retiring. And if anything, if you're a sponsor, you want to sponsor him more because he's getting big exposure now. That's the thing. Pros need to feed us information. If you're a pro listening, if something's happening, if you feed it to us, we don't have that much content, we'll do it. And that's one of the things I like about what we do is we are giving pros a bit of profile, just talking about races and talking about what people are up to. So if you make it visible, we're not going to go around trawling every bloody blog and find out what people are doing, but... um, if you've sent us interesting information... Tell you what, Chris, sponsor Chris McDonald, double his money. Yeah. Okay, um, triathloncompetitor.com, uh, TriStar... Oh, oh yeah, some nice. other good news. Uh, I might mention this next week, actually. That on, if you go on to Slow Twitch at the moment, we're a bit short on news here. Um, they've got lots of, lots of things, sort of top 20s and stuff from last year, highlights from last year. Oh. We might actually go through some of that next year because it's got some interesting stats on there, but if you've got spare time at work, you can do it yourself this week. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. Price draw. Right. Here we go. What is this? Okay, I'll, I'll, you go onto our Facebook page. Okay, you, you wait, wait, our okay, Facebook yeah. page. So Facebook. We, had, we had an email in from... Um, <clears throat> Guys, Jim at uh, Tri Grand Prix. Tell you what, discussions. <laughs> yes, um, discussions. discussions. <laughs> so, if you like Tri Grand Prix and you want to get amongst the action, Tri Grand Prix. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Take it back a step. Take John. it back. What's Tri Grand Tri Grand Prix, John? They are trying to basically run the races based on giving awesome athlete service and, and customer experience and community experience yeah and so they've had a couple of races they've had the the one in the Basque country in Spain they've had one in the UK and yep. they're expanding to a few more <laughs> and, and, and to be honest we've got really good feedback about these guys yeah. we've had some really good emails people saying they're on great events um, that they are really delivering on their promise of being there for the athlete and the community so um, go check out their Facebook page the deal is if you want to get a free entry into the Tri Grand Prix race of your choice we've basically got a prize draw going you need to go to the Tri Grand Prix or you need to find the Tri Grand Prix um, Facebook page you need to become a friend on that page oh, wait we should probably put a link to it on our website Okay, we can do that. No, no, they've got to find it. It's part of the competition. Oh! So, da, 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 da. so you've got to go find their Facebook page, which is not very hard to do. Because it's just your search. Yes, and you become <laughs> a friend on their page. Then on our Facebook page, on we've got a discussion topic. You basically need to put your name on there, um, like our page, be a friend on their page, and then you're in the draw. And at the end of January, we'll make a prize draw. We'll just randomly pick a name out of the hat and... Key is, key is, when you go to our page, don't put it on our wall. Put it on our discussion page. So John's actually started up a new discussion, Try Grand Prix, be in to win. Yep, so like our page, friends on their page, comment on our discussion. So do we have to check to see if they're friends on their page? Yeah, you can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm not busy enough, eh? Yeah, exactly. So there you go, be in to win with Try Grand Prix. Be in to win with Try Grand Prix, okay. They did offer me if I wanted to go do their race, and I was like, not this year. Yeah, we're we're not that rich. Okay, now John... Yes. You know, so, so Kona coverage turned out to be on Sky Sports. Yes. I didn't actually watch it, but John Vickers had sent us one through. Oh, uh, well, So I, I just want to give John Vickers some love. Yes. Because he went to put all the time aside. Yes. To burn it to a DVD to send it through to us. Yes. What? Have you got it yet? Yeah, I've got it. Have you watched it? 
having a time. Oh, so John's gone to all this effort and you just have Well, I just... Him. No, John, I'm just... <laughs> okay, um, but anyway, no, I appreciate that. because I've, my feelings. I've got it on, on video and it's a crappy video. It was on a bit late at night. It was on at 10, 15 at night. Do you video it? Do you have a video? I, we have a video. Do you have a VCR? Yes, I have a VCR. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the quality is, is average. No wonder. And they bloody they cut little sections do out. Really, so VCR? I, yes, I do. It's so a VCR and a DVD combined in one. <laughs> so I'm still happy and would look forward to watching a. Well, DVD I've got version. I've got a DVD copy of it. Good. I've and got it's full version. Good. Even with you extras. Watch, would you want to save making? Should we save making comments on this until next week once no. we've watched it? No, you make your comments. Oh, okay. Okay. Do that. Okay, because I'm gonna watch John Vickers version. Okay. Thanks, John. The one Vicar. comment I'll make is. Oh wait a second. Mac, <laughs> you do this all the time. Macca and Crowy aren't gonna be friends anytime well, soon. Well, no, now you're gonna tell me because I read that. And I don't want to know what happened. Macca's just. Uh, Crowy doesn't like Macca, and he just doesn't. And they, they used they used to be good friends, and they're not anymore. And Macca is just the whole way through just winding him up on this thing. You, oh really? It's, it's, is it golden? It's, it's, it's Macca, cringeworthy but to be that's Mecca playing the game isn't it it is but it's post race like by the time people see it it's post race but that will fire Crowy up and knowing I can guarantee that because I know him quite well and he'll okay. be he'll be fire up. fired up about that for next I actually year. think I think they probably want to give each other a hug you know and just make good friends yeah, I think let it be <laughs> let it be um, anything else no you watch that and we'll, we'll do this next week okay, we'll next week I'll it. do that okay uh, sponsor extreme endurance and you've got you want to talk about the other products so I'm going to go xendurance.com slash shop so we had Sandy on what well, must have been just before on our last last show of the year so sort of talking about their other products so you know you've got all the different things obviously we've talked about extreme endurance a lot but you've got the Omega 3's you've got the Vital 40 for the, the, the joints you've got the Joint 4 and you've got the nice cheap, very well priced they're not cheap they're very well priced um, short sleeve triathlon jersey for $35 and make sure you remember that if, um, if you are going to give this a try use, use the code IAMTALK it still does work and uh, that gives you a 20, is it 20% off it gives you a discount anyway um, well I'm thinking John if you're going to go on there and you're going to get your extreme endurance then what you want to do is you want to go to the shop for the other products because you know, if you if you normally get some Omega free, you must jump in and get this stuff here mm. right now. So you save save yourself on shipping costs. Yeah. So you can get lots of products at once. Bang bang. And what what I I mean, it's thirty seven bucks ninety five for a bottle, um, US. Uh, and and if you're gonna if you're doing building up for a marathon or something, um, a lot of you guys will be in your off season and you're not quite sure you just want to try something. One bottle will basically be enough for like a marathon build up. There's I, I can't actually remember how many tablets are in. Um, in one bottle, but I know when I did uh, 180, 180. So that's Excuse my site's pretty good because that's pretty small. I'm gonna go grab my bottle. So you, you keep talking. So that's uh, it's four four a day. So you know that's that's gonna last you a, a fairly good length of time, and it should be enough to make a difference. Obviously, guys, they talk about using consistently all the way through. 180, John. 180. Yep. So that's gonna give you what 45 days worth. That's, that's enough to make a difference. That's basically what I did building up to um, Auckland. So, <clears throat> what is 180 divided by? 30 days. Six. It's a month. What did I, did I divide it before? I don't know why. But anyway, that's basically a month's worth. Give it a crack leading up to your next race. See what you think. And um, for you all you sort of North North American and Northern Hemisphere athletes, then you'll sort of know whether it works for you or not, and you can um, choose to use it in your sort of triathlon season. Again, if you are on there, you're going to order something, check out the other page, because then you can get some of the other products for the older athletes, some joint care, 
Um, you know what? We'd probably fit into that category these days. You know what? I do kind of think that I'm going to be screwed when I'm older. Do you worry about that a little bit? Uh, no, I don't actually. Um, I see the guys who have trained extremely, um, and I see their bodies breaking down a bit. But I think yeah, maybe for you with all your jumping and larrikining about. But no, I no, I think. If I they, actually only jump up and down about two or three hours a week. Okay. So it's actually not that bad. I think the guys that have trained 30, 40 hours a week continuously and hammer forever, they seem to be suffering a little bit. But I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm, I'm moderated enough. But one thing I will tell you, Bevan, and I'll share this with everybody, I am getting old. I've got a couple of greys coming through. Oh, I can't see them. Yeah, there you Are you receding? Look. No, I'm not receding. Oh, you really don't want to recede, eh? No. You're no, really no, edgy, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. But grays. A couple of greys coming through. So, John? No, I'm not dying my hair. <laughs> You're not going to dye your hair? No, no. You're going to be a no. silver surfer, are you? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. A silver surfer. What if you yes. just get like one patch, just like a grey bit right there? That may change things. I've got to make Jeff, Jeff the ref, <clears throat> that's what I call him. He, uh, he, 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 he dies. Mm, and he's, only, yeah. he's younger than me, he's only 31. Yeah. No, if I got an even spread, I'd be cool with that. But yeah, if I got a little patch, that might look, look <laughs> But uh, you know what you need to dressing do? matters. But you've got, you got glasses, eh? Yeah, reading yeah, glasses? Yeah, yeah. You just wear those. Because okay. then you look sophisticated. Okay. Yeah. Wise. Okay, let's do that. Where, where are the greys happening? Uh, just, 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 there's only a couple coming through. Yeah, Linda but, uh, pointed them out and it took me about six months to accept. <laughs> I didn't find any myself. Oh, I love it. Okay, xendurance.com. Check out their products and make sure you're getting different products when you order your extreme endurance. Uh, what else have we got here, John? Okay, then, uh, hot topic of the week. So, you've gone and you've gone and said, who's going to crack the top five in Kona this year who have not been there in the past? So who are going to be sort of the breakthrough? Breakthroughs this well, year. Well, you've also put for not least for last yeah, week. Yeah, well, maybe if it's somebody who's done it once and they've faded away into oblivion and then, then they they're going to make a big Luke Bell. Yes, yes, exactly. Very good example. Well, you know, I'm full of good examples in life. There. <laughs> I gave him a nice little smiley face. <laughs> he gave me a true life smiley face. So who's going to crack into top five? You go onto basically mm. our page on Athlinks and we'll have a discussion of the week up there and just uh, give us your picks. I reckon what we should do this year to be a little bit different. No, 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 no. Thank, no, no. Let me do this. Let me do this. As we have the discussion of this next week's one first, and we create some outrage. And yeah, so we do the discussion first, and then next week we talk about next week's discussion. We talk about their comments, yes. and then we talk about next week. So who do you think it's going to be? Do you like my idea? We've got to have some time to think about this. <laughs> That's true because I've got no idea. <clears throat> Actually, we'll start that next week. Yes. Okay, it's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, we'll see how it rolls. Well, no, because then we, as you say, we create some debate. Yeah, I'll just always disagree with you, no matter what. Okay. So you say, what's her name now? Um, Luke McKenzie. No chance. Do you know what? <laughs> when you'll see this on the Kona coverage. You know how I do my thirty-third pick every yeah, year. Kona? Yeah. When I watched the Kona coverage this year, do you know who got thirty-third? Who? It was a tie between Tim DeBoom and Norman Sadler. They came off across the finish line together. Wow. That was pretty cool. 33rd, again, it creates a bit of interest, a bit of controversy. Do you pick a lot of numbers? No. Oh, you, you, if you ever do. I've got to have 33 in there. You've got to. And 12 and 3. Why is that? Because they're my numbers. If I ever go to watch horses at the horse race, <laughs> I love 12 I just, just bet on 12 and 3 all day long. Do you win? I, I do okay. See, it's okay, horse racing. I'm, I'm sorry, we're, we're, we're waffling, but this is really important. So we really important. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I went down to to Queenstown, spent mm-hmm. spent a week with the family-in-law. Yes. Not just like mum and dad, mum and dad, sister, 
and husband, kids, nice. granddad as well. So I'm a I'm part of the family, John. It was all good. Bert, his name is Granddad Bert. And uh, so Bert gambles. He loves the horses every day because we're watching the Ashes. And I have to say, someone was uh, loving the Ashes, loving the Aussies losing. But anyway, yeah. Bert loves to gamble, and he, he he's got the horses. But he has a strategy, which is bet, just bet on the horses who are trained by the same trainer all the time. Mm, yeah. And to me, where's the buzz in that? Where's the thinking in that? Because it's just you just you just. Yeah, I can understand your rationale. I can understand his rationale. You often, if you in New Zealand, you bet on the butts. The butts. Who are the butts? The butts. They're very good drivers. So you bet on. You often bet on the the drivers. And is the it, drivers. As in their names? Yeah, yeah. Their surnames. But. Oh. Um, so I can understand his rationale. Still, but, but, but you still got the thrill of watching the race. And, and Emily, he comes. did do pretty well when I was here. Yeah. So but it, was, it was just like, well, there's not much thought behind Tell that strategy. Him to hook me up with his tips. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hook a brother up. <laughs> okay then. Uh, although John, I will say it's progress. Yeah. When it comes to gambling in my life, I am up. Right. I'm up. Everybody's up. No, know. no, no. I seriously am because I don't gamble and. And every time I have gambled, got your little spreadsheet out. I've put, <laughs> I've stopped when I've been up. Right. Not every time, but enough. I'm up by about a thousand bucks in life. Right. That's pretty good. Are you up? I'd like to believe I am, but I'm yeah, not. You're not. You like your gambling, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Then. Uh, Interview time. Oh, okay. Let's put some music on. Put yeah. some music on. Interview. Peter Short coming up right now. Okay, on today's show, we're very happy to have uh, another round in our series of um, age group of profiles. Age group champions, John. That's what I'm calling them. Kona qualifier. We've got another Kona qualifier this year, this week, and he comes from a slightly different background, not really too much of a sporting background, and a very um, self-proclaimed unhealthy lifestyle into qualifying for Kona within a, a fairly short number of years. So um, welcome along to the show, show, Peter Short. Thanks a lot, guys. It's a real pleasure to be on the show. Cool. Hey, so um, you know, your, your background, you, you emailed over to me. You were you know, you're, you're a bit overweight before you got into triathlons. You were um, pretty heavily into sort of the party scene, um, but you had a couple of kids. What? Just just give us a bit of a, a, a summary of where you were at when you first decided you want to give triathlon a bit of a crack. Yeah, sure. Well, I think, um, I mean, certainly as a teenager, I was. I wouldn't say I was great at sport, but I was. I was definitely keen to give most things a crack. But as uh, yeah, the usual thing of getting into the corporate life, I uh, I got into. Uh, a lot of drinking and, and uh, having a good time at work, so I've managed to stack on the weight. And when you say I was a little bit overweight, I was about 106 kilograms actually. Wow! So <laughs> all muscle away. Oh, mate, all muscle. <laughs> I wish I could say that, but uh, I was I was just really unhealthy. And I, I remember coming up to my 30th birthday. I had uh, two little boys at the time, and uh, and I could barely keep up with them running around the garden. And uh, there was a, a girl at work that that I heard about doing these Ironman triathlons, so. I started uh, doing a few swims at lunchtime, doing a couple of runs, and uh, before I knew it, I was uh, I was giving a sprint triathlon a crack, and uh, I was hooked right from the very start. So, um, within a as you say, within a, a number of short years, I've I've managed to uh, take it to the next level and and uh, managed to get to Kona this year or last year, I should say now. So, what, when you it's something I struggle to appreciate sometimes coming from a, a sporting background and Bevan's probably in a similar sort of boat when he was probably pretty fit when he did his first race yeah what was that sort of first 
sprint try bike for you? It was back in 2005, and were you worried you couldn't make it, or what was what was sort of going through your head going into that race? Oh, I think I made all of the rookie mistakes. I had a wetsuit that was way too big for me. Um, I remember swimming. The, it was a it was sort of a club championship distance, so it's sort of halfway between a sprint and Olympic. So the swim was a 1K swim, and I, I swam with essentially the, the wetsuit sort of ballooning out under, under my chest and uh, acting as a bit of a water water anchor. And uh, so that was a, a bit of a shocker. I borrowed my brother-in-law's sort of 1980s Melvin Star bike, yeah. nice. uh, which, which probably weighed about 20 kilograms. And uh, I, it was a 30-kilometer uh, cycle, so I figured if I could cycle through that somewhere around 30Ks an hour, I was doing well. And uh, and I got off the bike and just just thought hopefully my legs will actually work, yeah. and uh, and I, I came I think I was second or third last in my age group um, for the New South Wales Club Championship, so it wasn't a stellar performance by any stretch of the imagination. The only way was up. Eh? The only way was up. So, but I remember crossing the finish line. And I just felt absolutely elated uh, that I'd actually managed to drag myself around the course and and uh, and consider myself a triathlete. <laughs> And, and it just took us through, obviously, moving on to Ironman and um, your first couple of Ironmans were um, not slow or anything like that. I mean, 11 and a half hours, I think you, you were mentioning, and um, just sort of took us through the progression from that sprint race to, to Ironman. Yeah, I think just just with my nature being excessive at most things in life, I, uh, I managed to, from that club champ race, I think that was in May in '05. I, uh, I, was, I, I bought myself a couple of triathlete magazines, as you do, <laughs> um, and I, I saw this half Ironman in October, so I thought, well, I'll give that a crack. Um, so I managed to get around, I think at the time it was around a five-hour 40 finishing a half Ironman, so I was, I was stoked with anything under six hours, but I always wanted to do the full. Yeah. So... Uh, Probably not in line with your, your three-year plan, John, but um, it was it was almost that long. It was two years, almost two years. Um, I just sort of trained up for the Port Macquarie Australian Ironman. It was the first year they'd moved it from Foster. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, I just sort of gave it a go, and I didn't have any sort of ambitions or goals, but I just wanted to get around the course. I thought anything under 12 hours is great. Um, so in 07 and 08, I did that race both times. 08, I went slower. Um 11.39 I think was my time And why do you think that was? Uh, 11.32 to 11.39 It was only a 7 minute 7 minute difference But um, I, I just don't think to be honest I, I really took the sport all that seriously It was it was, uh, it was a part of my life But it, I hadn't mentally made the commitment To really sort of train consistently And, and, uh, and start improving my performance So at the end of this period You kind of sit down and you think I do want to take it a little bit more serious. What are the things you did to actually step it up? I think I think probably the the number one thing was to is to literally sit down with your family. I uh, I remember saying to my wife, you know, I really love doing this thing, and I'd love to uh, I'd love to actually give it a, a bit more of a crack and see how far I could take it. And after that 2008 race, I, uh, I signed up for a coach. So I think that's probably the the first thing. And from most of the interviews I've heard. I think uh, most people would would uh, would probably uh, say the same thing that just getting a coach and and having some structure to your program. I was just out doing you know just long slow miles um, on my own, and I think if you're gonna if you want to race fast, then you've got to train fast. So yeah. I sort of p- picked up a coach and and uh, and started started really seriously training for six months, and 
and managed to uh, to get my first sub ten at Bustles in that same year. And so, really, was it uh, the difference with the coach? I mean, did you up your training significantly, or was it more the structure of your what you were doing was um, was better quality or a bit of both? Yeah, I, th- I think it was probably the quality. To be honest, I think I think I was probably doing um, around fifteen hours a week uh, in terms of volume. But I, I, I'm not a big volume trainer. I've got a a, a reasonably uh, full on job, so I, I work about fifty hours a week. Yeah. Um, I've got three children now, um, and I just don't have time to do twenty plus hours in a week. So, so it was more the quality. I think you know, consistency was probably the key thing. Training every day, um, and and certainly the quality. So, yeah, having set lactate threshold sort of sets within a bike or a run or or things like that certainly just got the quality focused to my uh, my hours. There was no more garbage garbage miles. Is there any? couple of key things you know a couple of if you were to think out maybe a couple of key workouts that you did um versus what you see a lot of perhaps uncoached age groupers doing um that you could share like any any particular sessions that you thought really made a big big difference yeah sure i think um and only from my own humble experience but uh i i sort of i would get out and do a three-hour run every sunday um, so I, I, I knock that on the head. I, I don't run over about two hours now. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, I used to go out and run five and a half minute pace for a three hour run. So yeah. leading into Kona, I was uh, hitting sort of thirty k runs, sort of uh, averaging sort of four twenty five, four thirty pace. So I think just just really forcing yourself to to pick up the the quality, as you say, and and. Uh, dial back on the volume actually improved the performance overall so that's that's certainly my, my long run is definitely my favourite workout of the week who, who is your coach? a guy called Michael Lawson a local boy here in the northern beaches of Sydney yep. he, uh, he's not a, he's not actually a triathlon coach but he, uh, he's, he was quite an accomplished runner um, in his younger days and he's a track cyclist now oh, okay. uh, loves, the, loves the bike riding um, and and after listening to you guys back in 2007, I, I sort of figured uh, from the coach's corner segment, John, <laughs> that, uh, that <laughs> the bike riding and the running was where I was going to make my most sort of time uh, time benefit. So I really sort of focused on that, and he's he's been fantastic. As I say, he's taken me from sort of uh, 11 11:30 something in in Port Macquarie way to a 9:33 last year at Taupo. So it's it's really sort of worked for me. What did you do? Like, did you do anything in specific or special to lose weight? You know, you were up to 100, over 100 kg. I imagine you're a lot less now. Um, you know, what did you do, or did it just come off through training? Oh, mate, it was a it was a long path, and it was a it was a long, it was a bit of a bumpy road. So, 106 kilograms, as you know, on a bike going uphill isn't <laughs> isn't all that fast. I, I race at about 75, 76 kilograms now. Wow, that's massive. Um, so that's a, a huge difference, but there was no magic bullet. I think it was um, a lot of years, and uh, I eat reasonably healthy. Uh, with I, I can't confess that I'm a I'm a health fanatic. I, I still love my ice cream and chocolate, yeah. Um, but yeah, I gave up drinking uh, a year and a half ago as well. Oh wow! So that was a, a big commitment, but um, I think keeping away from the beers <laughs> certainly helped as well. Yeah. How'd you find that? Because you know you're obviously in a culture where drinking was a big part of what you did for like ten years of your life. To decide to give up drinking was that a hard choice? Mate, it was. Um, it was certainly part of a, a sort of a corporate sales culture is to is to go out and have beers with customers. Yeah. Um, so it was a. You're right. It was a big call. Um, I think 
it was it seemed like a big call for me at the time. Um, but in hindsight, no one really cared that much. <laughs> <laughs> I think I cared more than anyone else. Um, so the first two or three months was you know, was was hard, but I don't even think about it anymore, to be honest. Yeah, and and socially, I mean, um, you often see people that come, you know, from that culture of, you know, partying pretty hard and drinking pretty hard, and then coming into triathlon. And um, do, do you still have the same? circle of friends or have you sort of shifted across to more hanging out with sort of triathletes or like-minded people or have, have, have those past friends sort of just just you just carried on with them yeah that's a really good question john <laughs> um as you'd imagine my circle of friends has has changed a little bit um i, I certainly i'm you know i'm in my bike gear as we speak and <laughs> after the, after this i'll be uh jumping on the bike and meeting a cu- another couple of guys dressed in lycra um, when it's still so dark warm, outside, it? <laughs> <laughs> it's still dark outside in the morning, and I'm not yeah. coming home in a taxi. So, it's, um, it it is different. I, I had to make the choice that if I wanted to live a healthier, healthier lifestyle, um, that I'd, I'd associate myself with with people of the same thoughts, yep. and uh, and just as a natural, it wasn't a a conscious decision really, but it was just a natural progression, I guess. That I spend more time, yeah, swimming, biking, and running, and more time with the family than I did before. So. Consequently, the the people I see uh, have probably changed a little bit. Hey, um, so you mentioned that you know before you even identified that you wanted to move towards you know going faster. You you sat down with your family. You know you work fifty hours. You're training fifteen hours. How do you fit the family life around you know your busy life? Oh, mate, it's a that's a tough one. I think probably the last twelve months has been the best year that I've I've kind of got the balance, and that's I actually got the insight from uh, from Gordo. Um, in terms of an annual training plan. So I, I literally every year now I sit down with Melissa and I map out the key races I want to hit. I, uh, I schedule in into the calendar uh, a family camping trip. Um, I schedule in weekend with the boys where I take my two boys off camping for the weekend. Um, I'll schedule, you know, sort of a weekend for, for Mel's birthday and uh, and just anything else that that sort of socially is a is an important thing, because uh, I still maintain family first as a priority. Yep. So so I kind of do that, and then I schedule the training around it. Okay. Um, but certainly I'm a creature of routine. So if I get up at four forty five every morning and sort of hit hit the road before everyone else is out of bed, then it, it just sort of works for me. So that's probably the probably the two things. So get the get the family buy in right from the start. So you really sit down, you develop a plan, but you go, okay, let's do the family events first. Then yep. when I can, I fit my training in around that. Absolutely, Great. absolutely. So you got to fit in all the, the interview interview schedules. Oh, and I tell you, like it's that. a highlight. <laughs> bit, bit banging off, getting the media off That's your back. Right. <laughs> hey, you, you said you um you you train you train around about fifteen hours per week. What is your sort of training regime on a on a fairly sort of average week? Yeah, you know, I was actually. I just got back from the from the family the family uh, Christmas camping holiday, and I've been catching up on a couple of the last weeks from you boys, and uh, and listening to Brett Sutton's interviews. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, I just don't I don't have the luxury to have sort of a, a ten day cycle or whatever yep. make, makes sense for me. So I'm, I'm one of those guys that just has to have sort of a I guess a routine each week. Yep. So I, I train every day. Um, I train seven days a week. Having said that, I double I double my bike and runs on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So I'll, I'll bike Tuesday morning, run Tuesday night, and the same for Thursday. Yeah. Um, so that gives me a, a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as a swim-only day. Yeah. And I find that just gives my body 
uh, a really good time to recover. Um, I'm I'm still working on my swimming. <laughs> I'm a terrible swimmer, um, but, but I'll keep chipping away at that. But I find the impact on my body um, is just relieved by having those three days a week where I'm just swimming. Um, and it, I found I'm not a very fast runner. Actually, I, my strength is sort of not slowing down too much on the bike. Okay. Um, so I, I I tend to find that training that way suits suits being strong running off the bike. So that's that's kind of the the weekly uh, the weekly so break. What, what was the weekend? So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, swim. Tuesday, Thursday is a, um, a bike and a run, and then the weekend. Yep. How you oh, the heavy stuff at the weekend. Yeah, I'm I'm the usual sort of weekend warrior, I guess. So long ride Saturday, long run Sunday. Yeah. So, so but but up up early. I'll never do more than sort of four or five hours on the bike. Yeah. Um. So I'll I'll get up and if I leave at sort of four thirty five, I'm I'm home at sort of uh, nine o'clock ish. So, um. So basically, three runs, three three swims, three bikes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Nice. Um, I'm determined. Uh, I've just decided to to do Ironman China at the end of May. Nice. So uh, I th- thank goodness I managed to sign up for a race before it got sold out. Yeah, it's like um, isn't it? And, and what so about I'm, the gadgets and stuff like GPS and power and all that sort of stuff? Are you into that, or are you more off uh, training by feel? Uh, I'm a little bit old school. Uh, I just got my first uh, Garmin GPS uh, about three three months before Kona. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've been able to use that to dial in my pacing on the long runs, um, but everything else I've just been going off perceived effort. So uh, my coach will will tell me to go out and sort of uh, do a do a bunch of uh, reps at sort of eighty or ninety percent of, of threshold pace. Yeah. And I think just after doing several races, and I do a lot of time trial testing during training as well, that uh, that sort of helps me helps me gauge the sort of effort that I that I can sustain. And um, obviously the big breakthrough for you, I mean, firstly it was breaking breaking through the 10-hour barrier in Port Macquarie, but obviously you, know, you, well, you, you qualified at um, Taupo and good to see you coming across the ditch uh, for, for, for a real race rather than those uh, soft, <laughs> soft-ass Australian ones. Um, but what, you know, the, di- the difference between 10.57 or whatever it was in, in um, WA versus 10.30 in, in Taupo, which is a significantly slower course, I mean... Um, how did that sort of come about? Was it just a, a progression thing, or was there, you know, what made the big, big difference on that day? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the nine thirty-three. So I think, I think, um, to be honest, I started racing more. I didn't race Ironman, but I, I raced. I started racing a lot of short course, and I, I figured that I had the endurance base there just from doing uh, a lot of volume over the last few years. So I actually focused on on picking some Olympic distance races. Um, I'm a member of the club, the Manly Warringah Triathlon Club here in Sydney, and I made an effort to get up there every month and do the, the short course races. Um, so I think you know the, the fitness was building, but what I didn't have was the was the speed. Yeah. So I really focused on doing 10k running races, you know, road sort of uh, time trial bike races on the bike, um, Olympic distance races, club races, and I think uh, spending 12 months really focusing on the short course. Um, which, funny enough, fits into John's three-year plan. <laughs> um, really, really did sort of help that top-end speed. And, and I guess once you're once you're racing at a, an eighty percent capacity of top-end speed, then everything goes north. Well, one thing um, 
you mentioned on your emails you were you were, you were crying like a baby when you came across that line, <laughs> sort of soft cock. But then, then I saw the picture, and you you, you literally are crying when you come across. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's a shocker. Um, yeah, look, I, I finished uh, as you say, Western Australia at the end of two thousand and eight. Um, where I, where I went nine fifty three, and I think probably that was the first time that I sat down with my wife afterwards in the Margaret River over a glass of wine. <laughs> And uh, and said, I, I really think I can I can maybe give Kona a bit of a crack. Um, so so and that's and, and simultaneously I'd I'd made the commitment to stop drinking and and I just I made so many commitments and there were so many sacrifices that I made and my and my wife made and my family made for me to train. I took the whole 2009 off uh, Ironman, so I focused all on the short course. Um, I built my speed. And then, uh, and then I let it rip in, in March in 2010, and it, it, it sort of it came off. So, yeah, coming down the uh, yeah that last two k's of Taupo, where all the town are out and giving you a bit of a cheer, I just started thinking back about all the sacrifices that we'd made and and uh, and how far you know, how far we'd come. You know, I'm out there racing with the kids and the wife. It's so uh, I definitely don't feel like I'm out there by myself. Yeah. So it was just a, a really good feeling to be able to. Yeah, lap up that last two k's, and, and as you say, John, I was absolutely crying like a baby when I when I crossed because I, I knew at that stage that I was uh yeah in in the right spot for a uh, for a Kona qualification too. So it was a it was a pretty good feeling after watching videos and thinking that'd be the only way I'd ever see Kona. And, and was Kona everything you thought it was going to be, or was it um, yeah basically what you thought it'd be? Even amazing experience, mate. It was. It was. Um, it's like arriving on a different planet. It is. A- it is. It's just incredible. You. You sort of rock up, and it's like going to Mars. You got all these guys walking around with zero percent body fat, and and uh, and and all of the guys you see in, in magazines, and and uh, all of the top pros from all the different races. And I was like, I was seriously like a, a teenage girl at a Bon Jovi 1980s rock concert. <laughs> it was just, uh, I was just absolutely, yeah, beside myself with excitement, and and uh, and loved having obviously the the family there to enjoy it. And uh, it was a victory lap. Unfortunately, I got really sick. Before uh, two weeks out, so I was I was laid up in bed with a, a pretty bad virus for for ten days, but I managed to come right in that last sort of four or five days before the race. So I, uh, I went out and had a had a reasonable race and, and really just really enjoyed it. So I've got to get back there somehow. Hey, um, I suppose if, if the last question is, what are some key pointers that you would have for people who are just starting out in Ironman, you know, to really help them progress faster? I think probably the first the first one would be not to take it too seriously to start with. Yeah. Um, I did spend a couple of years just sort of getting around the course and and sort of enjoying the sport. Um, so I think the first one is definitely you know it is a lifestyle, as you guys know. So uh, I think just to just to really enjoy enjoy the racing, enjoy the we're so fortunate to be able to do this sort of thing, um, to be able to fly to different countries and do different races. I think just to the enjoyment factor and you know, sharing that enjoyment with your family is probably the first one. Yeah. Um, the second one is if you if you kind of feel like you've got that potential or that got that drive, um, nothing beats consistency. Um, I, I don't train big volumes, but you know, I'm willing to get up early and just and just hit it every morning. So I think you know you're better off if you can train one one to one and a half hours a day. That's better than saving it up and trying to crack six or seven hours on the weekend. Um, so I think the consistency is probably the the core thing and, and, and when John talks about the, uh, the three-year plan with the, uh, the short course racing and building some strength and speed, I think it's probably a good idea as well. Nice, nice. Obviously also as well getting a coach. 
the, the, the coach was definitely a key for me. You know, I, I spent he's really doing those garbage miles, as I said, and yeah, Mike, Mike's been fantastic, and, and he's become a good friend as well. So, yeah, he shares the uh, the good times and the bad. <laughs> um, I got two other questions. Um, one: If you get up at four forty-five, what time do you typically go to bed? I would like to go to bed earlier. Uh, <laughs> I think I think one of the things this year I'm trying to trying to work on is trying to get at least seven hours sleep every night, um, sort of seven to eight. Um, but yeah, with the with the job that I've got and the, the sort of work that I do, uh, realistically I get about six or seven hours sleep every night, um, and I've just sort of learnt to learnt to cope with that. But if I can get in bed by nine thirty, I'm doing really well. Do you, do you have like the, like when I was doing that Ironman, I do lots of early mornings. I'd always on the Sunday have an afternoon nap, which would kind of help me catch up on the week's sleep. Do you do something like that? Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the old movie from the oh, I think it was the late eighties or early nineties, Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, yeah. Where they parade the dead guy around for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> my kids call me Bernie when I'm building for a uh, really an Ironman because nice. they feel like they're parading a dead guy around on the weekend. <laughs> Great. Um, so, so certainly this year, actually, Melissa and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, we're going to make an effort for me to go and have a, a bit of a half hour nap yeah. um, after a long bike or something like that, just so I can get a bit more pep in my step before we head out somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And um, the only other one I've got is, um, you know, a number of guys when they actually make that pinnacle, they sort of get to Kona and um, they sort of tick that off the box. Have you struggled post Kona, thinking, "Well, I've done it. What the hell am I going to do next?" Yeah, probably not. <laughs> oh, yeah, put it in your head. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so uh, having said that, after Kona, I thought, well, Kona's been ticked. Um, I have signed up to do Roth. Uh, oh, great. In July, so that that's kind of that was the key focus for this year, and then it's just been eating away at me that I'm not even going to try to get back to Kona this year. So, um, as it turned out, China just opened up three days ago. Um, the race is six weeks before Roth. So I'm going to try a, uh, a double close together um, and, and sort of see how that goes. But I'm taking Melissa over to Roth without the kids awesome. and we're, uh, we've got our wedding anniversary actually two days after the race. So nice. we're going to uh, stop by Paris and have a few days there oh, you're a um, before coming back. But certainly I've, I've got to get back to Kona. I think yeah, the one and done mentality isn't, uh, probably, uh, probably isn't, isn't, isn't in my nature. Nice. Oh, very good. Hey, well, well done. You can almost uh, we can almost put you on the um, the Kona stories the Kona uh, you know the you get there and the, <laughs> come come from being the the, the larrikin to the to the Kona camp so oh, I'm still a larrikin <laughs> bloody good effort and um, thanks for sharing a few of those things with the listeners and I think they'll get plenty out of that no worries at all guys my pleasure and hopefully we can uh, catch up in Kona this year yeah bring it on sounds good thanks man cool mate. Sponsor. Uh, coffees of Hawaii. I can't. What are we talking about this before week? We, uh, we didn't actually ask Peter before we just before we started recording with him. He was um, saying he had uh, some sort of vanilla latte or something in front of him. He did too, didn't he? Uh, I should have said, is that a coffees of Hawaii latte? That, I'll tell you what, John. Vanilla coffees yes. of Hawaii is yes. my favourite. Very good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what my favourite thing in life? One of my favourite things <laughs> in life is. What's that, John? It's getting free things. Or Oh, I see what you're doing here. It took me, it took me a second. Sorry. No, you did really well. I was doing a week effort then. John, why is that? 
Well, because if I if I spend over forty dollars anywhere in the world, wow. and I get something free, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, so am I, John. And if you do that, it's, it's on par with the birth of my daughter. Right. Yeah. Okay, right. So where would I go to do that, John? You go to coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, really? Wow. And you go there. You use the promo code IM8 at the checkout, and you get a free bag of Kona Nightingale coffee with any purchase over forty dollars. Asterix, excludes shipping costs. Asterix, asterix. Promo code applied. <laughs> Check out when code is entered. Asterix, asterix. So there you go. Okay, John. So I'm going to try to find. Okay, so what what category would that be under? That would be under the Kona Kona style. coffees. I reckon 100% Kona coffees. Yeah, because it's Blue Nightingale. There we go. I know my coffees, Albert. Okay, then. Um, it's a European roast. Adds character to the fragrant wine and fruit tone bouquet of this 100% Kona coffee. But, John, this website's sensational. Do you know why? Because they're just just—they're giving us detailed cupping profile. Here we go. Blind assessment. So they got a blind person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said to him, oh, it's a superb, rich aroma with a fragrant wine and fruit tone bouquet and a cup buttery tone. Uh, uh, in the cup, buttery tones are balanced with hints of cinnamon and cloves. A European roast, its character yet doesn't mute the complex flavours. Who should drink it? A coffee the aficionado who is looking for the quintessential of 100% Kona, Kona coffee. So there you go. So that blind person did a pretty good job, I so reckon. So you're actually getting a free 8-ounce bag, I think it is, which is valued at $13.95 US, so that's a good deal. That's a deal, John. So get on there. Get your 40 bucks worth, so you probably got to buy, you basically got to buy either, a, like maybe buy a two pound, like if you want to buy a two pound of County Nightingale, that's 49 bucks, so that'll get you in sweet, or you get a bit of a variety, whatever you're basically getting, spend 40 bucks. And how long would two pound last you? I suppose it depends oh, how much you drink. You ask some tricky <laughs> questions today, <laughs> Sorry. and just send, if you're unsure, send, ask Albert, ask Albert, send coffees for I'm sure they have a, a, a graph, if you have 10 cops a day. <laughs> if you have any tin, pull back a little bit. Just, just a touch. <laughs> uh, but I do say, um, do check out their cupping. Oh, there's a name for that one. Decaf. We've got decaf. Oh, we've got decaf. But they've got blind assessments on all the different types of drinks. So if we go to Kona Peaberry, uh, rich, uh, superbly rich uh, aroma with fragrant wine and fruit tone bouquet. So, oh, so obviously the Kona blends have that cupping. So, yes. Get on it. Get on the blind assessments as well. Coffeesofhawaii.com for the world's best coffee and great supporters of our sport. That's right. Uh, John, what are we going to talk about next? So, can, well, can I, can I, how are we going for time? We're, we're crack crack. I, I, we don't need anything added in there. We've got a 20 Because, uh, and Chance Barber. Okay. No, it wasn't Cohen. It was um, the wise one, James Botel. Yeah. Sent through quotes of the year and I thought that was really That's great. That's the stuff we're going to discuss next week. So this is all the stuff on the, on the copy from the Slow Twitch. Oh, uh, Okay. We'll, we'll save that for next week. Okay. We've got plenty of time. Well, thank you, James. Thank you, James. Okay, so just, 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 just scroll, just scroll. So one thing we're doing next week. Uh, we next week. Oh. Next week we've got the workout of the month brought to you by EnduranceCorner.com. They run various camps through the year. We've chosen our workout. Thank you to Richard Swan. Swanny got it. Swanny got it. And I'm going to give him a bit of crap next week on the show. Good. When we do this. I'll back it up as well. I've got yeah. some more crap to lay on Swanny. He has um, given you a hard time. There. Although you did go faster in Auckland, you didn't beat him in Christchurch. That doesn't matter. It's the fastest time that counts. <laughs> it's, it's the fastest time that counts. Anyway, next week we have somebody on to discuss um, sort of strength running workouts from endurance. Corner Someone, Corner. it's uh, Justin Deer. Justin Deer, mean mm. athlete. Mm. So check, check, check it out. Okay, questions mm, and answers. answers. Steve, how does this one? 
Constantino? Yep, I think you're out right. Okay, he's got two quick questions, John's, and they're not that quick, really. The first one's quite big. I have four years of experience in triathlon with three 70.3s, including a crazy hilly Ironman 70.3 Branson. I'm doing Ironman Arizona next year with my training partner, Jim, who my wife and daughter affectionately call... Oh, how do you say one? Jiminina. Jiminina. And I are considering using a coach in our hometown, but that... Uh, but maybe that, off the cards. Okay, maybe off the cards. What do you recommend if we don't go the route of, in terms of training plan? I just heard the Brett Sutton podcast, which are the reverse of everything else I've heard. So I'm a little bit lost of an appropriate plan. Do this, you want me to do a second question as well? Uh, My ten-year-old son Roman, a biking, running, biking buddy, and have no doubt of future triathlete. Just ask. Oh, we'll talk about Christmas. Okay, we'll do that afterwards. It's hot in New Zealand for Christmas. Anyway, but, but this sort of prompted me to think about the, the Brett Sutton interview that we did, and, and I haven't actually listened to it again. Basically, just did the we did the interview, and I was obviously listening while we were doing that. Using no, you you, were, you left, ex- John. <laughs> you went for a run. You my came special, back. <laughs> special listening skills, um, and I guess some people might be a bit concerned after listening to that, thinking, "Oh my God, this is is the reverse of everything I've ever heard," and am I doing everything wrong? And and I think the main thing is is that there is the Brett Sutton way of doing things, but that's definitely not the only way of doing things and he's got lots of success and um, I definitely agree with a lot of his things he knows his the stuff there's, 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 there's more than one way you know, coaching and triathlon is to a large degree uh, uh, an art with a strong hint of science in there um, but there's certainly not just one way of doing it um, so I thought I'd just comment on a few of the things that sort of came up in there and sort of give my opinion and Bevan can chime in as well with, with Do you his. start with this? Uh, yeah, I mean that's the thing. You know, he. I think he mentioned that he only really, he only. The, the obvious thing with Brett was he only respected great coaches, and if you're not well, a great coach, no, they were great coaches that have um, more or less come under his his thing. You know, yeah. the ones that have come. But, oh no, program. because he liked Hellemans. As Hellemans, well. but then the other ones I think were probably Siri Lindley, who was one of his athletes. Um, the guy in Australia, what's his name? Is it Shane? No. Um, can't remember, but he's doing a lot of the short. But he definitely skills. had a pretty high criteria. Yeah. And, but they were all following his. If his you sort of if you fit his mould, you were great. If you didn't, you were, there was only two levels. Yeah, great or shit. Great or shit. <laughs> and I'm not trying to defend myself or anything here, but it's it's like anything. But John, you're great. Yeah, well, there's there's yeah. You're obviously going to have very good. Co- you're going to have elite coaches. You're going to have very good coaches. You're going to have average coaches. Yep. You're going to have coaches who've got lots of experience, but might still be below average yep. and then you've got um, crappy coaches and it's the same anything in life like you'll have it with instructors you'll have oh, excellent course, instructors yeah, yeah. you'll have average ones so it's and it's hard to often grasp where they fit in that but I certainly wouldn't say there's only four good coaches in the world um, I think you know there's there's a whole variety I think the one thing where Brett does very very well and where he gets an advantage over most other coaches is he's there with the athletes pretty much all the time. Um, and that is a huge difference. And I think that's... Especially in our sport. Yeah, that's how, how he can often transform an athlete who's been with a coach for a long time and they may just be doing distance coaching or something and they just don't get quite what they need. They go into that environment where they're getting the coach there all the time and that's how he can make such a big difference. So when you look at other sports, you think about, you know, like a rugby or a soccer, the coach is there. Yeah. And, 100% of the time, aren't they? And that is the big thing. If, if, if you've got a local coach who you think is going to be be good... Accessible That as is well. going to be 
far better than going to a remote sort of setting. And I know I'm shooting myself in the foot there myself. John, a little you bit. shouldn't aim at your feet. Um, but you know, if you've got having said that, they've got to be there for you. you know, yeah. If you've got three sessions a week, say with a local coach, um, and then they they fill in the gaps for the rest of your training. That that is the ideal sort of scenario. Well, the ideal scenario is they're there probably maybe six or seven times um, a week for the elite athletes. Um, so I think that's that's the main thing we need to say. There's more than four good coaches out there. Okay, John, periodization. His thoughts were a load of crap. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. How do you define periodization? The classic um, periodization is, you know, you do your, your base work and then you do your X work and then you yeah. do your speed work. And so the speed work leads you into the racing. And I agree with him when he says you don't really need that speed. Um, so I think that's where some coaches may become unstuck with that if they do try to follow that classic periodization for Ironman racing. Um, you know, in my opinion, you're really in that speed period. It should be much more of a muscular endurance period where you're doing Ironman-specific workouts, you're doing half Ironman efforts, and I'm not a big believer in doing speed work either, so I definitely agree with him on, on that one. Um, but having said that, uh, outside your main sort of build-up period, I think speed work is important um, for most athletes. And you know, if you look at say another great coach, Arthur Lydiard, you know he he says with his marathon runners they do speed year round. And I know marathon running is different to, to yep. triathlon, but he was really big proponent on speed. And also, but depends. he he did both ends, didn't he? He did. Because yeah. his athletes would run like yep. Forrest Gump. And, it, and again, with periodization, how do you define speed? You know, some some people's understanding of speed might be going to track and doing four hundred meter repeats. Other athletes might think it means doing 1K threshold repeats. Other athletes might mean it's doing 100-meter sprints. So defining speed is another um, important part of it. Uh, but I'd agree with Sutton that a lot of athletes just trash themselves in that, in that sort of six- to eight-week window before the race. They're out there smacking 1K repeats as hard as they possibly can, and I don't think that's the ideal way to train for, for our sport. Men. So yep. periodization, he talked about that, and, uh, yeah, so that's... It, Classic periodization, I think, is, is not suitable for Ironman athletes. What else here? Uh, we've got sort of got some general points. Um, oh, okay. Oh, wait a second. What about general points, Sean? I feel I'm contributing. <laughs> um, when he, he talked about some of the workouts, you know, he did with athletes um, in terms of like your distance stuff, going to the pool, doing you know, 4K straight, doing 4100s, doing long track workouts. I think for a lot of age group athletes, they're going to not find that. Interesting. The reason they do training is they like it to be fun, yeah. and 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 for a lot of people, getting it's a lifestyle pull, more than being hardcore. Yeah, but having said that, I talked to the Philinator on, on yeah. the weekend. I was talking a bit of the stuff, and he and he said, "Well, if, if you told me to go and do forty one hundred at the pool, I'd go I, and do it." Yeah. Um. And the, and and I said, "Well, that's because you come from a quite a strong sort of cycling background." And but I do think a lot of people just like I know. Mm-hmm. You know, using coach for me was good because it just it's a piece of piece of paper tells you what to do and you do it. You know mm. what I mean? And I think most people are pretty loyal to the program, aren't they? Uh, yeah, mo- most instances, uh, elite athletes are probably a lot less uh, yeah. than, than than age group athletes. Age group athletes will typically will do what you say, but if they f- if they find that incredibly boring, then you're battling. You don't want people going into sessions Being consistently. You're right there. <coughs> you're, you're, oh, there no, I'm sweet, thanks. Um, and I think the other reason in his situation, he's got that group environment. Those sort of workouts are so much easier if you're yeah, well, in a group. Yeah. You go, right, we're all in this together, we're getting in there, we're going yeah, basically... 4,500 by yourself in a pool. It's hard hmm. work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, consistently. Uh, 
And then well, I guess one of the things he talks about is trading tools, power meters and stuff. Um, and he was sort of steering away from that to a large degree. And I think one of the reasons he gets away with it um, is a lot of his athletes come from reasonable sporting backgrounds or they've been doing it for a while. So their awareness is amazing. Yeah. And if you're dealing with a, a very newbie athlete, then they don't really have that perception of yeah, what no, pace they should be going at. And that's where I think a power meter and stuff can be really, really useful, is controlling your pace. Um, that's where a GPS can be very useful. People start to understand what pace they're actually running. Jeez, I'll tell you what, John. Have a clue. Well, i tell you what's really cool now with the iPhone. Sorry, John, I'm yeah. with the iPhone. I've got this app that tells you how fast you're running when you're yeah. running. So it comes in your ears and goes, oh, you're currently running at four. Yeah, perfect. And it just and you, you can see paces. You need to run faster. You need to yeah. run That's so great. It's exactly what you need. And and um, and it's the GPS has been a really good tool for me because I'm certainly pushing it big time, um, much more over heart right now going, I want you to run to this pace. Really? So you are just focusing more on pace? Yeah, definitely. Yep. And, uh, why, why more than heart rate? Because heart rate is, is quite variable, you know, it depends yep. a lot on, and, and, and especially when it comes to a racing situation, by the time you get there, you've had, you've had a reasonable amount of heart rate drift, and so your heart rate's going to be different to what it is in training. Yep. So pacing is, um, it's, in my opinion, it's the way to go. So if you can get hold of a GPS device, and, and that sounds good, you know, I guess that's one thing, when you've got it on your watch, you, you do have to keep looking at it, but if yeah. it is in your ear, then... Because um, you can have your music on, and you're running along, and it says you're running at this pace. Yeah. And if you set targets, you need to... It's a brilliant app. And then the power, I mean, I know he's not big on power, um, but... I think that's a really good tool, but I think people can take it over the top and get so carried away with it that it does start to be a limiter in some ways. Um, but depends for on most, how you use it, but isn't it? Like it depends if you're using it as an educational feedback to make you a better athlete, or if you're just being anal about stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. Because you know, we we played the Hunter Allen uh, as best of the year last week, and I thought after listening to him, I thought a power meter could be a really great tool if you if you used it correctly. Totally. Um, mm. And I, I've. In most circumstances, the power meter is, is used to um, I get people to slow down a little bit on the bike, and then yep. they end up running well. Yeah. Because most, not most, a, a big proportion of people, the first time they do um, too hard a, on a race, too hard on the bike, blah, Oh, blah, blah. the run was, <laughs> yeah. I was going great till the run. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that all these tools can be useful, but you know, just using a little bit of moderation. I do agree that you've got to, well, you know, you've got to build up that experience, use these tools to actually educate you as an athlete. And I guess the Soto style is very autocratic and um, basically do this, do this, do this. Um, whereas the Lydiard style, I was reading some stuff the other day and he'd often go to the track and say, right, we're doing 400s. And you'd basically do as many as you sort of want to do. You say, he'd, give, he'd, he'd, he'd help to educate you saying, well, this is sort of the... The feedback you want to be getting from your body, and when you get to this stage, I just want you to, you know, you just oh, to really? choose when when it's right for you. And it's very much a, a team approach, educating the athletes. Whereas a Sato approach is, it seems quite different. You basically, you, this is a workout for you, personalised, but this is what you're doing. Um, uh, so it's it's quite a different approach. Uh, flexibility, range of motion. He's not he's not huge on it. Well, that's I remember, and you hear this from a number of coaches. You know, most people's flexibility is fine for their running, for the range of motion you need for Ironman running. Yeah. For most people, it's fine. The issue I have here is I often don't use flexibility for necessarily improving range of motion. Thinking, oh, well, if you've got better flexibility, you can lift yeah. your knee a little bit easier. I used to sort of think along those lines, but there's various bits of research saying, well, you don't need that greater range of motion. But for me, and for most athletes that I find, is 
you do flexibility work to reduce your injuries um, and, and know, recovery yeah and yeah. I know if I stop stretching then I'll tighten up and that's when I tend to get you know little niggly injuries and there's lots of examples of people that don't do any stretching at all don't get so, injured, so, well, injured that's fine um, but you know you can use that rationale for, for heaps of things in life you say well what about Paula? What's her name? Paula Radcliffe. If her head didn't bob around so much, maybe she might run a little bit quicker. But yeah. And so you can you can rationalise everything to a degree. But I find with myself, a lot of athletes, if you don't stretch, you tighten up, and that's when little niggly injuries happen. See, I have to be honest. I suppose through my job, I do a little bit of stretching, but it's pretty piss poor when I'm teaching. But I've never really been much of a stretcher. But when I went to intensity, especially impact, you know, like if you're going fast for hard running. You know, I had stretching because yeah. it, for me it was more, yeah, because I just get so tight. So prevention of injury from that session leading on, and also just for recovery as well. Mm. So, but it's just personal experience. So in summary, there's more than four good coaches out there. Just got to find what works right for you. It is very personalised. If um, the best sort of coaching you can get is when you when you're face to face with people um, and in front of them, but a lot of people don't have that luxury, unfortunately. They sure don't. Um, just quickly, Dave Parsons. Yes. So he emailed us a while ago saying about England and Australia, and then Australia beat the Poms. Yes. He's just saying the the Poms smashed the Aussies in the cricket. Did you watch it? Yes, but all bits and pieces <coughs> of it. But uh, those in glass houses shouldn't throw stones because our cricket team is Hey, John, I'm, I'm rubbish. The, I'm from the motherland. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a good, like, good well on the palms. Poor old Aussies. Jeez, hey, the, the palms, because Joel, the brother-in-law, through, mm. through Joe's family type of thing, um, he loves cricket. So I literally watched the, the Boxing Day, the, pretty much the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, it, the palms just were awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, they played great cricket. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really great. So... Something's going to happen in Australia. John, sponsor. Are we, are we playing Australia? Are we, Let's we, not play Australia. Let's not. <laughs> we're like, Australia's really bad. So for those who don't know much about cricket, New Zealand at the moment, we're almost like the worst team in the world, aren't we? Because we, right we lost to Bangladesh, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we're right down there. Oh, jeepers, creepers. What's happened? Don't know. Don't know. It's strange because the... Oh, I might, we might be wrong here, but the English cricket team doesn't look drastically different you know the name, yeah. a lot of the names you see there are the and same that have yep. been there before and go, they've stepped up and, but is yeah. it more that the Australians just aren't that so good nowadays like if England were to pay like India or South Africa right now we'll see that's coming up I think oh is it mm. Jeez, you know your cricket then they might not dominate so much is it more that Australia you know they've lost Warren they've lost McGrath they've lost you know iconic key players Langer we should start cricket. Uh, <laughs> cricket talk. Cricket talk. talk. Dot me. <laughs> yeah, enough of cricket. Sponsors. Uh, Athlings. So I can pull up Athlings, Ben. I've got. Okay, I'm gonna pull up Athlings. So obviously, I had my little uh, little race not not too long ago. Was little John. Little massive. Race. Massive race, December nineteenth. It's gonna be a similar date next year. Got to go round up. Not logged in. So what? What? So basically, one thing you want to um, uh, when if you're looking for a particular race, you click on events. I'm gonna so click on you events. Don't click on results. You click on events. Put it just put in house of travel. House. Oops. And if you are looking oh, for a, a, for Kiwis, if you're looking for a nice race, house of travel are arranging a, a package deal to go to Rarotonga Triathlon. Oh really? And oh, it's like April or May. Um, if you're interested, get in touch with me, and I can fuck you the prime. Do you know what you've done, John? It's a wicked one. What? You put a lot of time into this. What do you mean? Well, I just... put any time. Athlinks did all the time for me. Oh, see, that's what's great about 
Gatlings. I was giving John all the credit, going, man, he's put a lot of time into this. He's just uploaded some on a bloody spreadsheet on I there. Have to do I, I just put the event in there when, um, when a, the, on the calendar thing, and then they, they grabbed the, all the results after the race. So. so what they've done is they've gone on and they've put all the different categories. They've done things like, like if we look at the Elite Cup, there's 23 finishes, 15 male, and of which the average time was 49 minutes. Yeah. Tony Dobb won it in 47 minutes. Andrew Hewitt won in 51 minutes. Great. But then if you go to Pegasus Classic, which is the main age group race. Yeah, I'm pulling that one up, John. Um, so, yeah, basically I, I had five races and, and then the, two, the kids' race was broken into two age groups. So they've basically listed all the different ones, so it's all broken into the right right race. And the cool thing about this is uh, it basically gives, as Bevan said, it gives you the stats on the average finish and all that sort of stuff, and then it gives you the first members' But more importantly, time. John, and, and probably really importantly, they have members of Athlinks on here. Yes. And Brett Whiteley... Took is is the first athlete to claim the result in a one oh seven eleven, and then Judith Nielsen from Timaru checked him by five minutes one oh two twenty five. Was good seeing Brett back. Yes, he's around my place <coughs> at the weekend actually fixing my pool fence. <coughs> and so then what it does is it, so if you're putting on events or if your local tri club has events and stuff and you know websites nowadays aren't that really reliable or consistent so. You can chuck it on here. It presents a really good kind of breakdown of your race. Everyone's on there. It's got everyone's splits. It's just easy, isn't it, John? It is easy. So get on there. Make sure if you've got an event coming up, just plug it into their um, into Athlinks. See if it's up there. If it's not, add it in, and then they'll just take care of all the results. Framey took out second place. He did. And uh, it's Greg Frain, Andrew Abercam was third, Mark Watson fourth, John Hallamans was in fifth. So it was a good strong. Is Frame only forty? No. Uh, he's it, in the 40 age group he's, it's a lie so the, the age group no that's just broken into age groups so 40 he's in the 40 to 60 age group oh that's a pretty big age group it is <laughs> he's, he's the 40 to 60 well it's a 20 to, 20 to 39 so if you're a 39 year old racing the 20 year old he's again 40 yeah is he he is about 40 really 40 or 41 and then uh, Hallamans is on the upper side of that age group <laughs> the 60 yeah no, no he's not 60 he'd be about 55 or something like that is he okay so there you go, all your results kept in one place. Hallamans was doing pretty good till the run, wasn't he? Yeah, that's one thing. You run when you do get older. The run is where you know, he used to be a weapon on the run. Hey, um, a weapon. Slowing down a little bit. He's super easy <coughs> on the bike. It's athlinks.com for all your results. And somebody was commenting on an email yesterday that got that. They said, "I've got my coffees of Y coffee and I've got my Athlinks T-shirt." Oh Just nice. Just see if they Go shop. Shop. If you want to get an Athlinks t-shirt, click on shop. Look at that, John. There you go. 18 bucks. 18 bucks. Support the guys that support the show. They support you when you're bored listening to us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else have we got here, John? It's an epic show. It's an epic show. Okay. Uh, did we, did we do that one last time or not? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yep. We've done that like three times. Yeah, I'll just, leave, just leave it on there. Okay, John, what's the goss? What's goss? Back running. But actually, John, no. Oh. No, I need to ask you a question. Not about rubbish outside. Rubbish Why outside. weren't you at the cycling champs? I was. Oh, where were you? Yes, I watched the last two laps. Two laps? I had Thomas, I had kiddies to look after. It was a great day for kids. I, I saw all the action that mattered. <sighs> um, so we had the New Zealand Road Racing Champs in Christchurch. Awesome event. Very good field as well for New Zealand. Awesome field, eh? And a very difficult course, basically go up about a... Be about a five-minute climb every lap. Um, probably, a no, probably less than that for those guys. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, if, you do, if you're doing hill reps up Hackthorn, it takes 
about six minutes plus or minus a minute depending on how fast you are so those guys when they're humming it would have been five to six five six minutes just intense kill 12, 12 laps yeah um, it's about so, 180 all up yeah tough day awesome awesome race and it was really interesting watching the race so they they visited the laps and basically just Hayden Rolson uh, is a Kiwi cyclist he rides tour and he's, he's pretty great HTC team and uh, he, it was just really interesting watching his, his trust and his ability because mm-hmm. the, the pack the three guys got away and earlier on and, and he just sat in the pack and even with a few laps to go you're thinking he's not going to be there mm. and then with like two laps to go he's just up the front and just awesome awesome riding um, but it goes to, it, it reminded me a lot of like watching the New Zealand triathlon champs as well because you go there and watch and you, and you have a big pack on the bike and you maybe have 30 guys coming off the bike and get a couple of pretenders up there running yep. with Bevan and Gemmel in there at the start and then the cream starts to rise and Bevan and, and um, Chris Gemmel and those guys just make everybody look stupid and, well, and it's a bit like that in that race there oh, but I don't know if it's necessarily the case because you had like Julian Dean yes. Greg Henderson yep. yeah you had some you had a pretty strong field it wasn't like there was just gumboots but it, it, yeah it did seem that there's, there's that gap between the, the top elite guys yeah. and the next level of elite guys so. we've got this young guy called Michael Vink and, uh, and he signed up on the uh, Livestrong team so, so Armstrong's got his Radio Shack team and then his sort of development I think is under that not 23's 19? team sorry is that 19 isn't he yeah yeah and so they've got their development under 23 squad the Livestrong squad I think it's called and he's part of that he's the name of the future um, okay John so back to life what else have you been doing it's going to be a long show it's going to be an hour and a half uh, I've started back running I've had to shelve the triathlon plans for the for the summer. So oh, why? Running. Just had not. <coughs> December was a very bad month on the training front, and like my first race was going to be potentially the weekend after next, and it's like I just haven't done in, any training. Uh-huh. So, so I'm going to start running again, and I've had a very good uh, week's running. I'm going to try to do a few 5k races and then start my build up for the Christchurch Marathon. Oh, you're doing the marathon again? Oh yeah, baby. Oh, bring, I'm bringing up Swanee. Swanee's only doing the half apparently. He's going to do an Ironman or something. Oh, I said that's why he's in half. Yeah. Um, so running and well, okay. Wait, predictions. What will we do? Me. Yeah. Uh, if it's a fair day and I have a good run, two thirty six. Ooh. That's mm, a plan. Uh, what did you do? Two thirty eight. Two thirty eight and a half. So I think it's 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 doable. It basically means running at the pace that I ran in Auckland without the walks. So we we run as run, run it, and I'm going to basically run at the pace that I ran up there with no walks. Why? The walk so worked. I just want to have a comparison. Oh. It may not have worked. I could have gone a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. actually, I thought you, you let yourself down. <laughs> Other than that... Um, oh, wait a second. Like, what about New Year's? Did you party hard? I've got to give somebody a plug here. This is a good one. Um, so we, we, we decided, yeah, we'll go out for New Year's Eve. But uh, the issue we've got is the kids wake up at sort of 5.36. So if you they have a bender... Yeah, but I have had a couple of benders. Of I probably had more benders with you in the last few years than anyone else. Because my possible. 30th, yes. you, you had a good night that one. Then yeah. in Kona... Yes, no and kids. And then in Taupo. There's a theme here. Yeah. No kids. <laughs> so, I'm a bad influence on you. We decided to go out with some friends, and but we and we, we booked... We, you, know, you can't get a taxi on New Year's Eve. Well, if you're in town, yeah. you probably can. But so we booked a, um, a sort of dialer driver. It's called Arrive Alive. Oh, so, giving so they come pick you up in your car. Come in the car, pick you up. How much does that cost? But wait, <laughs> So Belinda says, should we try it? And I said, I'll give him a call, see how much it costs, because she rang up and couldn't get a taxi. And um, we booked it all in. And they said, oh, yeah, that's going to be, we're going to be in Littleton. They said, oh, I'll be about 45 bucks or something. Sweet. I said, sweet, that's probably about the same as what a taxi would have cost. Yeah. Plus we get our car back as well. Yep, no stress in the morning. And, um, and so they turned up, we got them to pick us up at 12, 12.30, turned up, and they were on, bang on time, back through to our place. It ended up being 10 k's back to our place. And uh, they said, okay, that's 30 bucks. And I said, 
Sweet. 30, 30 bucks. bucks. And that's for two people picking up with the car, driving back, following you home. I said, sweet. Um, was there a catch? Well, I thought there was. I gave them, I gave them the money and went upstairs, relieved my mum who was babysitting, and she bugged off. And then I see them turning back into the drive, and Belinda and I said, oh, maybe it was supposed to be 45 bucks, and they stuffed yeah. up. And um, the guy comes in and says, oh, you must be really drunk. He gave me 50 bucks instead of 30. But he was even honest. He gave me 20 bucks. I said, well, I'll give you another, give you 10, another 10. So I gave him 40 instead of 30. Wow. Oh, you're a good person. And uh, I was very impressed. So if you're in Christchurch and you want a good service, arrive alive. I yeah. think the only downfall, oh, you book it before you go, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Because the only downfall is maybe when you're drunk, you go, oh, it'll be all right. Yeah. Because the car's still If you've got there. kids, you don't generally do that. Well, no. when, you, when you know you've got to go home, if they're at home, you've got a babysitter. Yeah. Yep. But if you're a free living spirit and you don't, oh, well, yeah, that's well, pretty because so it's cheaper like, than a taxi. Yeah, it was. It was a good deal. Other than that, life is pretty good. Back work this week. New Year's, I was up yeah. in Glendu Bay with uh, Porno and the crew. Down in Glendu Bay. Yeah. Even down there, actually. Yeah. yeah. And uh, camping's not fun in New Year's Eve once you go to bed. Right. Because everyone's so noisy. Yes. And I went to bed about 1 30. It was a great great night. It was yeah. good fun. And, uh, and I didn't get slept till 5. Really? And you can't tell people to shut up, can you? Because yeah, it's yeah. coming from all areas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but porno and the crew, I'm a little bit gutted. I went to bed when I did because apparently everyone's got nude. Oh really? Apparently nudity was just all out. Right. Maybe even Steph, porno's partner. Although I could be wrong about that one, Steph. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Girl, okay. So, you see in the campground, running around, naked laps. There's a guy called Gareth who every year at midnight mm. jumps on his bike, does a naked loop of the park right he's been doing this I've only been camping with these guys for a couple of years but he's been doing it for like 10 years it's like history yeah. but the last couple of years he's got a girlfriend and the girlfriend obviously doesn't like the fact he gets nude around the park yeah and this year the question was would he do it he did it and he did it yeah because <laughs> he was home. pretty drunk tradition and uh but other than that John Porno and I made some music right yeah with You're the pants and yeah, yep. Here we go. Yep. We can tack it on. The oh, not the this show. one. Not this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've got mate Fraser singing in Spain. Okay. So he's going to sing in it. Porno and I made the music, and then Duncan's making the album art. So you send the music over to him, and then he sings over the top, and then he sings yeah. it back. Yeah, and then I'll edit it and stuff. So. Okay. So, yeah. Look forward to that, listeners. Oh, be, be excited. Tack that on the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? Not much else. I've got a question for you. How did you get... Uh, uh, for some reason, I went onto your website the other day. And you got oh, 212,000 hey, people I'm, I'm big. <laughs> on Facebook. What sort of scam did you pull to get that? You know, I'm a, I'm a fitness professional. Right, you're a scammer. <laughs> I you're a scammer. I'm an international fitness superstar. Did you not know that? <laughs> There's a scam going on on Facebook. Uh-huh. My mother asked me... She sent me an email. She said, are you on Facebook? And, um, and if so, because uh, she doesn't know what it's about, um, how can I get a list of who's on Facebook? I said, oh. well... A couple of billion people probably on Facebook. Yeah, how do you get a list? Yeah. It's five billion. It's, it's 500 billion. No, 500 million. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, it's, okay. been a, it's been a long show. It's been a waffling show, but we're back and it's a new year, so we had to We've shown a sharp form for the beginning of 2011. Good luck for everybody doing Wanaka this weekend. Yeah, bring it on. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.